You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. It is a great pleasure to be on this BJSM podcast with Dr. Rogerio Silva. Rogerio is an orthopedic surgeon and is clinical director of the Sao Luis Hospital in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He's been a great leader in the Brazilian Orthopedic Sports Medicine Society and was their president from 2009 to 2010. He's the creator and chairman of NEO, an orthopedic sports medicine research center, and he's an associate member of the Brazilian Knee and Atroscopic Society and a board member of the Orthopedic Sports Medicine Committee of ISACOS. He has a special interest in tennis, which we share, and was the team physician of the Brazilian Davis Cup and Fed Cup teams for more than 10 years. Rogério, thank you for joining us on this BGSM podcast. Hi, Babette. It's a great pleasure for me also to speak with you and with all the colleagues of the British Journal of Sports Medicine in this uh, podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. And let us talk tennis first, because you and I once attended a conference at Roland Garros and got to watch some great tennis. And we were fortunate enough to see the Brazilian player Gustavo Cretton. What is your relationship to him, and what has he meant for tennis in Brazil? I think uh, Gustavo Cretton was a turning point for Brazilian tennis. And uh, after Gustavo won the tournament, uh, Roland Garros in 97, his first title in the French Open, uh, many children started to play tennis uh, here in Brazil, and uh, the media started to have a very good interest in on covering tennis in the television. And uh, for sure, uh, it was a very important uh, point for us that uh, like tennis. Uh, I started my relationship with him uh, during Davis Cup because during that time, um, from '98 uh, until 2000, it was uh, one of our best teams ever for the Davis Cup. And uh, we reached the uh, Davis Cup semifinal in 2000. It was our best results. Uh, unfortunately, we lost for Australia in Florianopolis uh, because maybe they had Hafter and Hewitt in their best time, but uh, the game was fantastic. I was there covering the medical part. And after that, uh, we started to see a lot of uh, um, patients included because in our office, I work at the sports medicine guys. Uh, we just, of course, had soccer players, but... After that, we started to see a lot of tennis players coming to the office interested on playing tennis, and uh, mainly because of Guga winnings. And I think it was very important uh, for Brazil as a whole to start this new uh, age on tennis after after Guga. We had in the past Maria Bueno, that was a very important female tennis player that uh, won a lot of tournaments, uh, uh, even uh, Grand Slams. During the age of uh, during the late 60s and the, uh, the beginnings of 70s, but for male tennis and for the modern tennis, Guga was a, a very important person. Uh, after the, our relationship in Davis Cup, uh, uh, he continues to play, and uh, he had one surgery on uh, February 2002. That was his first surgery. I just uh, on that time I didn't uh, have any any particular relationship as a physician with him. Uh, I just started to see him after. Uh, after February 2004, uh, because he he started again to feel the symptoms in the right hip, and then uh, we decided together to perform a, another surgery in September 2004. And because of the the specialty of the surgery, we we went again to to Pittsburgh to to operate with Dr. Mark Philippon. And uh, in my opinion, it was also very important uh, for 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 the tennis match in Guga on this point. It was uh, one of the first cases uh, in, the, in the literature after the Magnus Norman case 
of a hip arthroscopy. Even uh, we didn't have uh, a lot of physicians that know the symptoms, and we studied a lot of injury. And I think uh, also Curtin participated on this uh, knowledge of uh, uh, of knowing a little bit better the femoral acetabular impingement that now we know we know that is a very important condition, not only in tennis but. Uh, uh, in other kind of sports like baseball, like um, hockey, and uh, other sports that we we know a little bit, we knew a little bit better the injury because of the studies on uh, Google. And I think that uh, also he was important because of that uh, of that point. It was a it was a great uh, pleasure to stay with, with uh, him during that time, and uh, but unfortunately he he's suffering again of uh, of a pain and. Uh, I, I saw in a, news, a newspaper last week that uh, probably he will perform a new uh, a hip replacement uh, next year because he continues to feel pain even without playing professional tennis anymore. But uh, even with uh, mild uh, matches, uh, it, he can, he's suffering of, uh, about this problem. And uh, I, I think it, that those are this, the most important topics for my relationship with Google, not just because Guga was a, a good person, a very charismatic one, but also because of his injury, we, we studied a little bit better the, the heat problems in tennis player, and uh, mainly because of that also we, we started together with Todd Allen Becker. I think it would be very important and nice to discuss uh, this a little bit because we started a study on uh, hip uh, range of motion in tennis players that, uh, that the, main, the main objective was to see any difference of, of hips, but all those things started with Guga here in Brazil. Yeah, and it's it's out in the public domain that Gustavos had hip surgery, and that's why we can discuss it. What was the main reason why you decided to uh, perform this study on the um, range of motion of the hip in tennis players and in baseball players, and and what were your main findings of that study? It is uh, the, the story was uh, was very nice uh, after after the second surgery of. Uh, of Google in 2004, uh, in the in the early 2005, uh, during one meeting of STMS, I was talking about that with uh, Todd Allenbecker, our friend from uh, from STMS, and also now the, the coordinator of ATP Medical Services, and um, yeah, we we think about studies because uh, uh, Todd in US see a lot of uh, baseball players also, um, despite of his uh, tennis patients. And I have had a, a lot of tennis players here suffering with mild contusions on the hip, mainly uh, muscle uh, adductor injuries or pains. And then we decided to to see uh, when we remember the hip uh, joint, uh, we remember that uh, of course it's completely different. But uh, um, we had, for example, in the shoulder, a decrease in internal rotation and an increase in external rotation that is common to find in some uh, tennis players. And we would like to see. If, uh, if we have some relationship with difference between dominant and, do- and non-dominant hip, uh, and you know, one idea to prevent some injuries, or if we can see in elite tennis players without pain, if we have some uh, uh, different range of motions uh, between the both sides. We didn't find this uh, difference. Uh, we studied 64 males and uh, 83 females tennis players, and Todd performed all the evaluations also in uh, U.S. with tennis players and, t- and together with baseball players, and we didn't find any difference between between those uh, those, those dominant and non-dominant hip. The main idea of the study uh, was to see uh, because of the dominant hip in tennis, for example, Guga has the injury in the right side, 
and is the dominant side for his uh, forehand and also for his backhand. He performed one hand backhand during his whole career. And um, mainly in Google, we discovered that uh, we probably had a mild instability of the anterior instability of the hip after the surgery. And uh, our main idea was to, to find if this is a finding after a surgical procedure or a regular finding in tennis, in tennis, competitive tennis. And we didn't find this, uh, this difference. We, 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 it was a little bit surprised to, to, to find this because we, we probably uh, supposed to find that we had a minor difference on uh, maybe internal or external rotation, but uh, those things did, didn't happen. Okay. And, um, well, of course, it, it doesn't start with professional players. It starts with the junior players. Can you tell us a little bit about the medical care of the junior players at the tournaments in Brazil? What has changed over the last five to ten years? Yeah, I think that uh, this one is one of the most important collaborations uh, after the Guga uh, age here in Brazil. Uh, when, I, when I started to, to create the, the, the medical department, it, it was a very interesting topic because in '97, when Guga won the, the, the Roland Garros title, the, the, the Brazilian Tennis Federation didn't have any medical department. Or even uh, when I started to talk with the president, he, he even uh, talked to me that, Rogério, why is the necessity of to have a medical department? I, I, I know that it's important, but... Uh, uh, let me know what you want to, to do here with our tennis players. And um, after that, we had the idea to create, to officialize the medical committee of the Brazilian Tennis uh, Federation. And my main objective was not to, to cover the, the professional tennis players at the beginning. Of course, the, the, co the medical covers the professional tennis players. It's, uh, it's, it's necessary, but uh, the majority of the tennis players on that time and also now, they have their own physicians, they have their own coverage, they have money to pay this, this, uh, this team, uh, but I mainly started to work with the juniors. Uh, then we put an obligation to, to have at least one, uh, one medical director on call at that city when we have the, our main uh, tournaments. We have uh, 13 uh, level one tournaments here for the juniors. Uh, during one year, and my, uh, my, my goal was to establish uh, a well-organized medical coverage with the, the obligation to have one physical therapy of, uh, on court during all the time of the tournament, and uh, on that time, the, the, the president uh, said, okay, let's start this. It's it, to be not uh, possible to have a good money for that, but let's start. And then um, I was very fortunate because uh, many people... I started together with me with, to, to organize this, uh, this medical coverage of the tournament, and it was the first year that we have uh, all the junior tournaments covered. And now we have, uh, as a rule here, even in my office or in other uh, tennis doctors' office here in Sao Paulo and also all over Brazil, the obligation for the tennis, ten, tennis players, even the juniors starting on age uh, 12, to have at least uh, uh, once a year good exams, even preventive exams that we, or they, they also uh, use uh, uh, our study on uh, scapular dyskinesia that we see that's a very important condition for, for junior tennis players. And after that, we start the COVID. And now it's a, it's a routine here in Brazil. And I think the Google age uh, and also this support of the Federation was very important to, to, to have this medical coverage in a very good way because um, before that, we have nothing. 
Well, that's interesting what you mentioned, uh, the preventative examination, because you did several studies in tennis players. On You looked at the humoral stress reaction. You looked at the scapular dyskinesis and suprachromial space. You looked at the um, eccentric uh, strength of the external uh, rotators. What would you recommend a doctor looks at when he has a junior tennis player or any other athlete in overhead sport in his office to prevent injuries? Yeah, I think uh, I think that this is one of the most important uh, topics to coverage when we see a junior player. Uh, we have a protocol here in Brazil, and uh, we start the, the the medical evaluation when the athlete uh, started the, the below 12 uh, uh, category here in the federation. We have below 12, below 14, below 16, and below 18 uh, the official categories for the for the juniors. And uh, when they, they enter the first uh, the first level, that's below 12, uh, we recommend once a year a clinical exam. Uh, it's not just uh, not not to be specialized. Uh, it, it doesn't need to have uh, orthopedic surgeon or orthopedic sports medicine or even a sports medicine guy. A simple one, a clinical exam, just to see if mainly they have some cardiological problems. And uh, we don't start. The, the, the competitive career for the juniors if they don't have any exam with the cardiological part, made with a clinical or a cardiologist. After that, uh, we recommend we try to follow uh, some exams with uh, rotations on hip, on shoulders mainly, and also to to see the balance of the shoulder. And uh, if if we found some uh, uh, during the during the exam some discrepancy between the dominant and non-dominant shoulder, we start on that time, the preventive, uh, the preventive uh, therapies that uh, normally uh, the, the, the common findings in juniors are the weakness from the muscle because it's different when you, uh, when you are the, dealing with a, a below 12 athlete and a below 16 female, for example, and a below 12 uh, male. And because of that, we, we, we look at, uh, in a very good way, the shoulder region. Um, normally, the scapular dyskinesia is a little bit difficult to to evaluate. In uh, when you perform lectures here in Brazil, um, uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, uncommon to find physicians that uh, don't know the pathology or don't know that the scapular uh, dyskinesia movements can lead to some uh, problems in the future. And in our opinion, uh, this, the, those things happen. If the athletes have a, a very bad uh, scapular movement. He will suffer from a rotator cuff impingement in the future. And uh, when you see uh, uh, works and papers about uh, professional tennis players, we know that rotator cuff problems are very dangerous for them uh, if they don't work uh, in the very beginning of the career with the prevention of the of the scapular dyskinesia. Because of that, our protocol is on uh, from the very beginning. We start on the prevention for the scapular uh, joint mainly for the, the, the strengthening of the muscle that support the scapula in the posterior part and working on the strengthening of, uh, to decrease that uh, low amount of internal rotation that the, those players have. And uh, because of that, also we study the overuse and the bone injuries of the distal humerus because we also find that some players, uh, in order to improve the movement, mainly during the surf, they overuse a lot their distal humors. And because of that, we had those confusions that sometimes the coaches or even the uh, unexperienced unex- uh, physicians, they treat as tendinopathy. And sometimes the problem is at the bone. And if they continue to have these problems uh, without a treatment, 
they will develop some uh, different range of motions on the shoulder and also on the wrist and uh, in the hand. And because of that, we also publish on this topic uh, in our case series in the Data Journal Sports Medicine. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for this information. And I'm sure the, the listeners would like to, to know more about this. And I saw that the 13th STMS World Congress on Tennis Medicine and Science will be held in Buenos Aires from the 21st to the 23rd of February uh, in 2013. Can you tell the listeners what they can look forward to when they decide to attend this meeting? I think it would be very important for uh, if, if, the, if they have a chance, if our listeners have a chance to come to Buenos Aires, also because it would be a very fantastic trip. And uh, Buenos Aires is a very nice city. During, the, during a long time, the Buenos Aires is known as the, the Latin American Paris. And I think the city is, is uh, one of the topics that definitely it would be very nice to, uh, to know. And uh, concerning the topics of the, the Society for Tennis Medicine and Science World Congress, I think that would be very interesting because Javier, uh, our president now, and, uh, and the chairman of the, of the meeting, uh, put some different topics that we covered all over the, uh, the topics on tennis medicine. We talk about hip, we talk about shoulder. I will present the results of uh, our, our, our um, study uh, and also our way to, to process this, this preventive program in junior tennis players about shoulder. And also will present uh, my results and my experience with the platelet-rich plasma therapy in tennis players during the last uh, five years. It's a very, to be a very important topic. That's a very controversial topic, but uh, we will have a lot of time to discuss. And I think that will be a very nice opportunity for you that would like to see a beautiful country in Latin America and also with very interesting topics uh, on the tennis. Mm, it sounds lovely. Well, thank you very, very much for your time, and, uh, and I look forward to seeing you soon again. Thank you, Babette, and um, I would like also to thank the, the, British, Journal, the British Journal of Sports Medicine uh, opportunity to, to share those uh, ideas with you. And... Uh, any time or anything that we can discuss in the future would be fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.